Hello, I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. What are you making this week? So today we are talking about two sisters. So I don't know a lot, anything about them at all. Um, But, you know, I have a sister. So I was trying to think of something that I used to like cook or bake with my sister. And we always used to do sugar cookies, whether it was Christmas or Easter, we'd bake sugar cookies together with that um, powdered sugar frosting, super basic, all in a bunch of different shapes, you know, and we would, we decorate them together for Easter. It was, it was a lot of fun. And so that's kind of what I think about when I think about my sister and baking. So it's probably not as fun and lighthearted as my sister and I did because we also did not kill people yeah and I'm sure this this will be the only way that I can relate I hope to this case hopefully (laughs) (laughs) all right perfect um okay so rewinding back to a few episodes ago when we talked about Bachelor's Grove first of all uh my mom had a little story she wanted to share with us Uh, One time, because like we said, we're local there. Uh, Mm -hmm. One time when she, uh, I don't know, I think she said like 18, 18, sorry, mom. (laughs) You're not that old. (laughs) 1980s, 88, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh my. Um, She and her friends were there at Bachelor's Grove and they saw this clearing with like a podium or like an altar on it and on the altar there was a dead dog that was just gutted open and oh yeah that is horrifying and yeah that's clearly people just doing some like some kind of sacrifice it, yeah exactly those most likely what it was because they were having those issues at the time too there so right. my mom that's was a witness that's crazy that's kind of the issue with these places too is it really brings out the weirdos yeah like yeah, and they just they just make it worse like they make make stuff up and they do really bizarre things that make it even more um horrific than it even is in the first place yeah so yeah. my mom said she and her friends just took off running as you would. And so don't know what happened to the dog or anything after that. But yeah, that'd be a really creepy thing. And I'd just run away too. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, like I would, I would stick around for a ghost longer than I'd stick around for like seeing a sacrificed dog. Yeah. Honestly, those people probably just hated the dog. It's probably just a really bad dog. And they're like, you know what? Hmm. Sacrifice <laughs> poor baby no dog any scenario is not a good one but i mean i would rather it be a mean dog than a (laughs) no that's true but all dogs go to heaven so this is true (laughs) dog dog heaven is a beautiful place (laughs) you don't get there if you're sacrificed (laughs) (laughs) that was an office quote that i changed a little bit you didn't get that oh oh yeah yeah okay and angela's cat does (laughs) yes yes i forgot about that 
I'm kidding. All dogs go to heaven. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> before this gets off the rails, yes, already got off rails. Um, so our actual case that we're going to talk about today is taking place in Alexandria, Egypt, in 1919, right around the end of World War One. Um, so the poorest district of the city is called Al-Laban and all this shady business in the city happens in this district. So there's prostitution, drugs, gang activity, all those things. And the police were pretty busy in those days and didn't really have time for the people of Al-Laban. So it was a pretty lawless place too. So the police just did not patrol that area and whoever lived there had basically free reign to do whatever they wanted. Um, because in 1919, Egypt had believed their country was going to be self-governed after World War I. And that was not the case. So this revolution, this nationalist revolution started rising up and fighting the British. So there was... Um, the British troops that were in Egypt, in Alexandria at the time, there was like this revolution against them. So lots of, you know, strikes, riots, and political um, political stuff was going on. Yeah, so that's what you mean by when you say that the uh, police were distracted with other things. Exactly, yeah. yeah. They were more focused on that than like petty criminals right. in the poor district. So... This is a neighborhood that sisters Raya and Sakina ran their business. Um, Raya was born in 1875, and her little sister Sakina was born 10 years later. Um, and they were born in Upper Egypt. And they had to take care of themselves from a very early age because their father was not around. He had up and left them. And... Their mother was, a, like, diagnosed narcissist, and she wasn't really capable of loving her children. Um, she just kind of didn't really care about them, very neglectful. Wow. Um, and they also had an older brother, but he was never able to really keep a job, and he was bouncing around work a lot. Um, so they found work in their own ways and the sisters sold vegetables they waitressed and eventually Sakina decided the biggest money maker for her was going to be becoming a prostitute mm -hmm. so she started being uh, a prostitute like at a very young age um, that's so sad yeah well not not like very very young but like young you know yeah yeah um and they moved around Upper Egypt a lot. And eventually Sakina, or I'm sorry, on the occasion that their mother decided to help the family, she thought her way of making money was, okay, girls, let's, let's go rob a bank together. Let's go rob someone together. So that's oh, what they would do on so family bonding. Yeah. Go mom. Oh, way to bring the family together. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> um, well, Sakina eventually decided, I don't want to live this life. So she got married and left her family. Okay. Um, 
But then they got divorced and she got another man and ran away with him and ended up in Tanta. Um, but unfortunately, they broke up again. So she yeah. had no money and became a prostitute again. Yeah. So she tried for a bit. Yeah. Uh, and in 1913, Sakina landed in the hospital for venereal disease, and she met her second husband, Ahmad Rajem, in the hospital. And when she got better, they went to Alexandria. Um, and when World World War One started, her husband left to join the labor corps. Um, and he was able to visit a few times during the war, but it wasn't really great because on his first visit back, he realized Sakina was prostituting herself for money again. And his second visit, he realized she had moved in with another man and she wanted a divorce from him. So I think, oh. I mean, from what I know, he was actually like a good person who was trying to help her. And she just got bored because he wasn't there and divorced him. So Yeah, sounds like it. I mean, I really want to know what this guy's, like, stance was. I don't know. It's not too common that you meet a woman in a hospital. Like, when you're in the hospital, you're in a pretty vulnerable state. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to marry you. And why was he in the hospital? Like, right. I, don't, the yeah, I don't know that part. I don't know what was going on with him. He, she was in the hospital with venereal disease, which is an STD. So he know, like, he must have known somewhat of her background. Yeah. Um. And so I don't know, like, why was why was he kind of? It seems like he was a little desperate for a wife, to be honest. Mm, maybe she got, she got a little bored of him because he was just like, "I'm gonna get married to you because I need a wife." And so then she's like, I'm bored of you, whatever. You're just using me because you need you want a wife. That's what I that's how I take it. Maybe. I don't know. I'll be wrong. But it just seems a little desperate at his point. Yeah. Unless it was love at first sight. Maybe. Her <laughs> in a hospital bed with an STD. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> I don't I'm going to marry that girl. I really don't. It, it didn't elaborate on that love story <laughs> that much. <laughs> yeah. Was he in there with an STD? Who knows? Maybe. He was a fellow patient. Maybe that's why he was okay with it. He's like, you know, two can't judge. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. Let's. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Anyway, she gets a third husband in 1916. Um, who his name was Muhammad, and he worked at various uh, cotton factories. So Sakina had a bit of a reputation by now. She was an on-again, off-again prostitute. Uh, She openly liked talking about sex, like, to anybody at any time, which was a big no-no for young ladies in Egypt in early 1900s. Um, And she had had Yeah. He'd been divorced twice, which, wow. Wow, lady, you... You know, you get the picture. Yeah. Um, just uh, It's not your typical, because this was in the early 1900s. It's like, all this is unheard of. Exactly. Uh, and she was also an alcoholic. 
And one barkeep noted he had seen her drink 10 to 15 glasses of wine in one hour with no effect. Like she was fine. Um, Wait, so, okay, for one, 10 to 15 is a big jump. That's true. And two, like that's nuts. She must have been knocking them back. Like just whoo, she could hold her liquor, I guess. That's, that's crazy. Okay, continue. Um, so Raya, on the other hand, had stayed home. She had married as well. Um, but her husband died, so she married her husband's brother, Hasabala, which I guess was pretty common. It is time. common. Yeah. It's very common. Yeah. Um, so that marriage went all right. They they liked each other well enough, you know, it wasn't like a bad marriage. But um her husband, Hassab, was a thief who was banned from one city, but that didn't really bother Raya. She was like, You you're getting us money any way you can. Thank you. And, and she grew up in a family of thieves. So exactly. Yeah. Didn't really bother her. Um, and they had one daughter together. And in 1916, they decided to move to Alexandria to be with her sister, Sakina. Um, and the prospect of moving there was like a really good one because Alexandria was known as the Pearl of the Mediterranean. Um, it's this lavish, large city with commerce, culture, museums, whatever. It's very beautiful. Um, but for those who came from Upper Egypt, like the sisters had, uh, that wasn't really the life for them there. And they were known as Saeeds, Saeedis, uh, which is a stereotype of Upper e- Egyptians. They had darker skin than the native Alexandrian people, mm. and they tended to make less money than the natives of the city and didn't really fit in well, even though one third of people from the city were from somewhere else. Really? But, yeah. So that's how they ended up in Al-Laban, which is the poor district where a lot of like people from other places ended up. Um, and there was a camp of British soldiers nearby and the girls, the sisters decided, you know, the best bet for us to make money in our situation where we are is to open a brothel. That'll be fun. And they named their brothel the camp and they were right. Business was booming. It was a good business decision for them. (laughs) Um, Money was good during the war because there were always British soldiers coming in and they wanted booze and girls. So they came to the camp. Um, Sakina also made extra money by selling gold on the black market and she opened a cafe. She's, she's an entrepreneur. Wow. You know? Look at her. Um, places. But she, she's still pretty shady, obviously. So she secretly was selling rotten horse meat to cooks, um, which she briefly went to prison for, but she got back out because that wasn't a big deal, I guess. Um, yeah, it's disgusting. Um, Raya preferred it when her husband was away at the war. So like their marriage was all right, but she did. She liked it when he went away for the war because then she could keep all the money she was earning for herself and not have to give him any. 
Um, and at this time in the city, running a brothel was legal, but there were reasons to keep it underground because the sisters did. They kept it on. They didn't have a legal brothel because if you ran a legal one, you had to fill out all this official paperwork, taxes, and you had to have weekly medical exams for all of your sex workers, um, which they didn't want to do. And you also had to openly admit you were involved in a brothel. So you could never join like bougie society. So that was just kind of like this unspoken, not written down rule, but like, yeah. Um, I see. As an underground brothel, they were able to hire some slightly higher class sex workers who were secretly prostitutes. They wanted the money, but they wanted to stay in high society. So they weren't like in an openly oh. out about it. So Ooh, I that's, get that. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting social dynamic that's super, super weird. Yeah. Um, it's just interesting how if it was legal, you had to publicly announce you were a prostitute, but you could keep mm-hmm. it secret and still be bougie. Yeah. It wasn't legal. Yeah. It's it's something I've never heard of before, but that's interesting. And it's interesting that there aren't like enough like jobs for the women that they're literally like, yeah, no, I want to be a prostitute. Like I'm going to just for the extra money, you know, who cares? Yeah. Um, Also, wait, this is just super, super random fact. Okay. Um, When I was going to school in Valpo, I was told that, so like we had a lot of fraternity houses, but we didn't have sorority houses. And, um, and I never like understood why. And then while I was there, they actually built housing on campus for the sorority sisters. And like then all the sororities all got their own um, section of this this big building mm-hmm. for all the sisters. Okay. The reason I was told the reason why there weren't and then all the sorry and then all the frat houses were actually off campus, like in just like houses in the neighborhood. And that's like typical. Yeah. Um, that yeah. the frat houses, but I thought there would be like sorority houses like that too. I didn't really know beforehand, and I would ask why. And I don't know how true this is, but I was always told that in Indiana it is still a law today that if five or more women like live in the house and there's ever alcohol served, then it's considered a brothel. That is so ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? That's oh my god. I want to say there's no way that's true, but like, I, I don't know. There's some weird laws you you wouldn't think exist, but they do. Yeah. Seriously, uh, there are some really bizarre laws that are still out there. So I don't know. That's so that's bad. Just, that's just what uh, what I was always told. Oh, my God. Okay. Random story. Anyway. Go on. Um, <laughs> mm, oh, okay. So... Those women who were like the more bougie ones, they paid Sakina and Raya half of what their clients gave them. So they were making a lot of money off these women. Um, And being a sex worker was a well-paid job at the time. And all kinds of women dabbled in it voluntarily just for like extra cash. Um, 
because also because of like the political climate and stuff of Egypt, like women didn't really have, they weren't really allowed to have like other kinds of jobs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So like it kind of was just, you know, the job to have some people. Um, So when women made more and more money, they got more and more gold bracelets. And so basically the more gold bracelets you had, the more everyone could see you were worth your time, your money, whatever, you know? So it was like a status thing amongst sex workers for these gold bracelets. Um, The sisters were not pleased when World War I ended, like the rest of the world was, because that meant their husbands came back and the British soldiers that were paying them well left. Um, So the prostitutes that they were working with uh, went to higher paying places. Um, So they didn't like, the sisters didn't employ them like specifically for their place. Like the sex workers could pick like whatever brothel was gonna give them, make them the most money and then they could leave. Um, So the camp, the police shut it down after the war because now they could turn their attention back to like Alaban and what was going on over there. Um, so the sisters decided to be a little sneaky and they shared profits um, with this woman, Amina, who ran a cafe. Um, they would lure people into her cafe just for like a drink or something. And then they would say, oh, why don't you come upstairs and we'll all have fun. And then if when they went upstairs, it would be like the sisters business, like sex work and stuff like that Um, yeah so money was so tight now um that raya and sakina had to buy gold for the sex workers like at before when money was really good they could buy their own gold for themselves but now sakina and raya had to buy it for them which put those girls in debt to the sisters so instead of working with them it was more like they became their servants because they had to pay them back for the gold and stuff like that oh okay um so this is when Sakina and Raya started treating the girls like really badly um and things (gasps) started yeah basically um they started making the girls do like manual labor as well and started selling girls out to other brothels, which like was unheard of. It was like up to the sex worker to pick where they were going to go and who they were going to work with. But now that they were in debt to the sisters, the sisters were kind of like abusing that power. Oh. Um, So Raya and Sakina employed the Fitiwa, I think is how you say it. There were like a group of, they were kind of like the mob and the sisters claimed to use them to protect their clients and make sure no one called the police on them. But the Fitiwa were raping girls and starting fights and trying to take power. Um, so it kind of turned into a really ugly situation. Um, and in 1920, the police started getting complaints about the smell coming from Raya's house. Ew. Yes. And she had a habit of masking her house in incense. And she would burn this incense like day and night. 
and people her neighbors were kind of like whatever she's just this weird lady who likes incense burning all the time but then it started smelling rotten and you could smell it through that incense oh Um, my gosh in november she had moved out raya had moved out and this young man moved in and he was fixing the water and sewage system and digging beneath the floors of one of the rooms and his shovel hit something hard and this disgusting smell erupted um stupidly he reached into the hole and pulled out a human arm and they discovered there had been bodies under the floorboards and that's what that smell was that everyone was so pleasantly smelling oh my gosh oh you know I've, i've like heard about this like people like in apartments dying and then they complain like there are complaints about the smell and they eventually go in like that happens quite a bit just imagine being one of those people that has been smelling that smell and realizing what it was yeah is so disturbing it makes me want to gag right now disgusting i hope i never experienced that in my life yes I mean, who knows? I mean, okay, this is a really morbid thought, but like, who knows what we've smelled? Like, we might have walked past something, and be like, oh, it smells really bad, and then just kind of going on our way. Who knows what it yeah. was? Oh, God, I hope that not. Was a horrible thought. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I never just know. Put that in everyone's minds. <laughs> everyone's like, Casey, stop talking. Freaking me out. <laughs> Ugh. Okay, go on. Yeah. Um, so the man who's living there told the police that the previous owner, who was Sakina, had been evicted a month earlier. Um, so the police decided to look into Sakina's home some more and her sister Raya's home. So they found bodies under the floorboards of Raya's home as well. So both of them were, you know, killing people, clearly. Um, and Raya and Sakina had been known to the police, obviously, uh, for the past year, women had been disappearing around their neighborhood and they were brought in and questioned many times. And every time they were both very persuasive and were easily able to get the suspicion off of them, even though everyone clearly thought it was them. Um, I don't know how you can talk your way out of that. Yeah. Sakina claimed she was innocent um, and she swore up and down like it wasn't me. It wasn't me. But Raya, when she discovered both of their houses had been raided, she folded and caved in immediately and was like, okay, it was us. It was us. Um, we've, We've been killing our girls, our prostitutes. And she just fessed up immediately. Um. So the sisters were both arrested and they found 17 female bodies in their homes. Um, That's some sick. Of, yeah. Some of the bodies were fresh and some of them were skeletons who had obviously <gasps> been there a while. Um, so this is going on periodically for a long time. Um, there were, so people in the news, the media and everything, um, 
posted the pictures of the bodies in the newspapers, which I don't, I don't know. Would they do that today? That kind of seems. I, like I, I feel like like body bags is okay, but actually seeing it itself, I don't think is right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but people yeah. still, I mean, you can find anything on the internet, so. That's true. You, you really could. Just one Google search. Yeah. Um, so Raya had been keeping tabs on the girls coming in and on their gold. And one woman came in one time wearing a new set of bracelets that Raya had not seen before. So she suspected that this woman was not sharing her cut of profits with the sisters. Um, and that she was going other places to get money for these new bracelets. Um, and Raya was very, very suspicious of people cheating her out of money or that they were going to rat her out. And she had like growing paranoia. Um, and this woman who supposedly was cheating her of money disappeared a month later, a month after she got those new bracelets. So another woman who was one of the victims was her friend raya's friend zanuba she was a chicken saleswoman who came by to get money that she was owed from raya and she wound up dead that very same day that she had come to get her money um raya was also pretty cruel to her sex workers that crossed her um, one of the girls disappeared for a few days without telling Raya that she was going to be gone. And when she came back, she was killed. <gasps> and all of these instances, like, I just don't see, like, it is directly connected to them. I don't see how nothing happened for so long with them. Well, it's because their bodies were hidden. So they just kind of disappeared, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess that's that might have been the only thing that really saved them because I was thinking about it. I'm like, why would you want to put the bodies in your own floorboards? Like, I just feel like there's yeah. better places or ways to dispose of them yeah. unless it's like some kind of like unless you literally are like a psychopath mm-hmm. and just doing it for the sport. I don't understand that. But maybe it is because um, because there is no way to hide it. Yeah. It's ugh. just imagine filling your own home with that. Right. Still with body, ugh, disgusting. And you and like you know, you know what's going on. You know what that is. Yeah. Ugh. It's just like there's something. There's something un, um, unhinged in their brain. Yeah. Um. So, the autopsies. There were autopsies of all of the bodies to give evidence of what happened, like how were they killed. Um, All of the victims were female between 20 and 50 years old, and they all died of asphyxiation. Um, And the sisters admitted that what happened when they killed their victims was first they would offer them a glass of wine that had been laced with drugs. And when the girl was so dizzy and out of it, it became like this four-person killing system. So Raya and Sakina uh, and either their husbands or two members of the Fitiwa, they kind of switched off, whoever was there at the time, committed the murders. One person crammed a wet cloth in the woman's mouth 
Two other people pinned her hands and feet down, and the fourth person strangled the woman. And they repeated that process with every single person. Um, so it's like this group effort, and that's I just that's disgusting that four people would agree collectively to do this together. It's disgusting, and it's just excessive. Like, why? Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess that pretty much guarantees like that you are going to successfully kill them. Because I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it. I'm like, okay, so you drug them. And then take four people to kill them by strangling about everything too. Like, can't you? St- I mean, I know it's aggressive, but stab them and like I don't know. Yeah, it just it's, seems like strangling weird. is so intimate. Yeah, and it and it's slower. I know it's like horrible to say, but there's like no, it is. It's just like I don't understand why they decided this process. I guess it's cleaner. Mm-hmm. but it just seems so excessive yeah like it I mean they couldn't have I understand if they wanted at least one man in there to like help calm the situation but it's really interesting that that's like what they do every single time right it, that shows me it's a business mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they treated it like you know this business matter like that's okay who's gonna do the job like four people like assume the position like it's very methodical and and it's an odd choice for sure yeah and yeah okay so like you strangle them so you don't want the blood and gore Mm -hmm. i get that but then you are sitting with them in your floorboards yeah and knowing what that is i don't know it's just all so weird to me it doesn't yeah. make any sense no anywho um so raya's daughter actually testified against her parents and said she had saw or she had seen her father spike glasses of alcohol with white powder before giving it to the victims um and that she would see the women clutch their stomach and like writhe around on the floor before passing out. Um, obviously from being poisoned or something. And Raya's husband even admitted this to the police when he was like, yeah, my daughter, she's not lying. Like, this is true. So I don't know, maybe he was trying. I don't know. They were very clean about it. Like Raya, she just like blurted it out. Like after all this time, like you just like, I don't know. People who give it up really easy confuse me too. You know, I I think I for okay. There's a couple theories on this. One, Raya's the younger one, right? No, she's she, the oldest. She's the oldest. Oh. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's. I don't think that she's like t- assumed the leader position though. No. I want to say that's the other one. Raya seems because she came in it later, didn't she? Yeah. Like she, she's the one that moved. Um, so I don't know. I just want to say that, like, she seems like she's kind of just been a little, like, she's just been following um, her sister's lead the whole time. And I think that when you do this, when you decide to start killing people or have like a really sketchy business like this, uh-huh. there's a part of you that always knows, like, okay, if I get caught, this is what's going to happen. Like. So she probably is like already kind of like, okay, I'm going to get caught in this at some point. Yeah. I'm just going to 
I'm just going to come clean about it. And then like, she might even be surprised every single time they like get away with it longer and longer and longer. Finally, when they do catch her, she's like, okay, I was done with this a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's kind of that, how I It's possible thinking. for sure. Um, Cause everyone did say that Sakina was definitely like, even though Raya was the paranoid one and she was getting like kind of crazy about that. Like Sakina was more of the like aggressive one with their business. So she just seemed like the one that was always making the money moves and selling yeah she's the one that right right yeah yeah i i mean i can believe that yeah um so the story of these sisters blew up around the country everyone was talking about them not just because they were women but because it showed something about the lower class that was never really talked about um crime and criminals of the lower class were never given publicity um they just weren't paid attention to like you can't be a famous criminal you you're not even worth our time because you're so you're such lower class kind of that attitude but the sister's mugshot was posted and exposed like everywhere so it was really kind of like this big turn of like a lower class crime being actually talked about everywhere um interesting and it was it also highlighted some political stuff like growing worries about values and the changing roles of women in the country um and in 1920 women were just starting to fill more roles in like workplaces that were previously just for men um so some people had the attitude some people who didn't want that to happen in the country thought the murdered women got what they deserved because those women were shameless and not worth it and brought it on themselves and they were going to try and you know get work and they're women and they shouldn't so some of the attitudes of people in this country were like really really nasty at the time to these I mean I'm sure like that's a very I feel like that's a very common um uh, opinion on everything going on like that yeah you know I think it's ironic because the men that are the ones that are shouting that from the rooftop saying that like they deserved it are the men that are going to them exactly it's mm-hmm. like you have such strong opinions because you've seen them right like so whatever and you yeah, yeah you're not innocent either Exactly. Ugh, people. Um, so the courts, unfortunately, kind of turned this case more into a lesson about women's morality than a murder investigation, um, which is super annoying. And the media said that the sisters, quote, greed and pursuit of pleasure were uniquely female traits that had grown out of control in the absence of male supervision. So basically because their their husbands had gone away and weren't able to like control them they this uniquely female trait of lust and greed yeah okay sure Wait, sure excuse me yeah it's lust absurd it's clearly a man is the one that's saying all that because yeah that is that's delusional 
It's so, I can't even fathom that kind of attitude. Oh my God. And their husbands were in on it and their husbands were not being talked about at all. It was just the sisters, really. Um, but no, because they were gone on a way at war for most of it. Like a lot of it. The, it's fine. You know, they were beyond saving. Oh my God. I cannot believe this that. This is me off. So the courtroom was also very scandalized by Raya's cursing and Sakina openly talking about her sex life like she didn't care. And it became about Raya and Sakina perverting other women with their immoral ways more than like, oh, this is a murder investigation. They killed people. It was like, we need to stop them because they're going to pervert other women and their other women are going to talk like them and <laughs> have sex like them, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're not gonna yeah yeah they're it's not that the the other woman can die because of this it's they can really influence other women yeah yeah i cannot Um, believe that it's really ridiculous and on top of that the media portrayed the sisters as animals a lot they were compared like in newspapers they were compared to vipers snakes wolves one paper published a picture of raya like depicting her as like this beast with claws and it was captioned like there's no escape for you from my talons and another said like raya you are not human you are a beast in the desert a fox that embraces deception a treacherous wolf and there was even a rumor that was spreading around that the sisters were on display at the zoo and people actually rushed over to the zoo to see them in cages but obviously <laughs> they weren't there ridiculous. like so I mean, it's just being sensationalized. Yeah, that's, that's true. Like, because the thing is, yeah, you do want to say that they're they're evil creatures and like because they really did do some really messed up stuff. Like I am, they they're, they're monsters. But the fact that you're right, they're sensationalizing them and making them uh, really big in the media and giving them all these names. It's yeah. more than it's more than just thinking that they're disgusting, horrible people. Yeah, it's it's about like women in general, which is just right. like it's so weird. Um, so the trial actually began in May 1921, and we've seen this time and time again with these old cases. Crowds of hundreds trying to see this case, and there were tickets sold to the oh court case. Um. Newspapers were selling full transcripts of the trial and the police were monitoring the crowds every day. So it was like this huge thing. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. People do that all the time, Mm -hmm. especially back then. Like now I think we can rely a lot on social media. Yeah. To hear things things and to like feel a part of it and to see things. But yeah, like I, I could totally see so many people going out and trying to witness that and the trial too i mean it would just be interesting to see and like hearing new information each day of all the women that were killed and why you want to you want answers yeah it's interesting um so no woman had ever been given a death sentence before um but the prosecutor suleiman beck azad was fighting for it and he argued that in the past, 
crimes by women were looked at with a bit of mercy because that woman was only a killer because she had to kill like a cruel husband or poison someone who had brought her family harm. And they couldn't be killed for that because they could, that could be overlooked. But the death penalty, or it also wasn't carried out because no one wanted to see a woman die in public. But he said, we can throw all that out the window because these women didn't kill with like mercy because someone had hurt them. They did it because they were cruel and evil. So that was his argument of why they should be put to death when no other woman had. Uh, Yeah, honestly, like it's kind of true when you look at um, a lot of murders. I mean, we've covered a lot of women as murderers and a a lot of the ones are the outliers that um, are just completely psychotic and just doing it for sport and just doing it because they're completely evil. But a lot of the time when a woman kills someone, it's because it's like a crime of passion. Yeah. It's like, a they see it as like, you did me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't think you get the death sentence for a crime of passion i don't think they i think that's yeah. like a big I, I i don't think you can yeah i don't right i don't know the I'm facts about sure. that yeah. i don't yeah. think you can though yeah um because because you can kind of see it more so mm-hmm. i don't know but yeah so i kind of get what he's saying like before this women were killing because of crimes of passion now it's like this is a business they're just evil people they need to die mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Which, you know what? I'd agree with. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's not <laughs> completely wrong. No. I mean, he's being a little sexist, but the yeah, same time, he, like... He made it a little sexist, but, like, <laughs> it's not altogether wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's treading that fine line. Yeah. Right. But, um, <laughs> right. So a couple weird things happen. Um, I mean, it's already weird, but during Sakina's testimony, she ate a very large meal like in front of everyone in an attempt to give the impression that she was being starved in prison to force her to falsely confess, you know? So she made this big like show of wolfing down this meal, but it didn't convince anybody. (laughs) Um, And the two Fitiwa that were accused of committing these crimes too, they also claimed that they were being starved and verbally abused in prison. Um, And the statements from everyone involved were wild, contradicting stories. The defense was all over the place. Mostly the defense was trying to shift the blame on other people. So Raya and Sakina were insisting they were not there for any of the murders. They claimed it was the Fitiwa. The Fitiwa said they were innocent and that it was the sisters or that it was the husbands. The husband said that it was the sisters. So basically everyone's like, shooting off like blaming one another and none of the stories are fitting at all it's like in the office when uh all of them have the guns pointed they're in a standing circle and everyone has like guns pointed at each other exactly what it is um one witness um said that they had seen the husbands deliver uh the woman uh who was sakina's and Raya's friend, Zanuba, who's the chicken sales lady, um, mm-hmm. they had seen the husbands bring her to the house and that she heard a scream 
And when she asked Sakina about it the next morning, Sakina said, oh, it was nothing. Don't worry about it. So there were like some witnesses who claimed to have seen things that were brought on the trial too and seen and heard things, but they probably did. You know, I I would say it's probably not a lie because they were pretty open about doing this stuff right in their own homes on the streets and stuff like that. You know, that that annoys me that, you know, you hear a scream and then the next day you are like, hey, what was that screaming at your house? Like if it was if it was remarkable enough to like ask about it. Yeah. Then maybe you should have gone and told someone or like reported it. Yeah. Or asked <laughs> like immediately. Hey, what was that? Not like the next day. Exactly. Yeah. Like why would the next day I be like, always yeah. Have to. I heard that that blood curdling screaming coming from a house. What is that? Hmm. Oh, <laughs> like then oh it's yeah. something. Oh, okay, I believe you. Yeah, okay. Okay. I haven't seen her in a while, but yeah, I believe you. <laughs> no. Ridiculous. Um so the judges decided in the end that Raya and Sakina were accomplices, not perpetrators. <sighs> so they were not going to get a heavy sentence. However, the prosecutor overheard Sakina saying she planned on being released in 15 years and to become a prostitute again. So he wanted the judge to, quote, sever these two corrupt members from the nation. Um, and I guess that worked. And the judge was like, you know what? You're, you're right. So six death sentences were then handed out to <gasps> Sakina Raya, their husbands, and the two Fatiwa. They were all sentenced to death. Even though they weren't even, like, found for the murders? Yeah. That's crazy. That is actually nuts. Like, oh, you know, they're they're just prostitutes. Like, they're just not good in society, so we're just going to get rid of them. Basically. Basically. Like, I don't know if you changed sentence, but, like, that's from what I could gather, that's what he like, they like originally decided that's they were nuts. not perpetrators. So I don't know. Um, so on December 21st, 1921, Sakina was brought out of her cell to her execution and a guard told her to toughen up and be strong. And she replied, I am a strong woman. If I can take on a hundred, I can take on a thousand. And her last words were, I murdered. I murdered, but it's okay because I fooled the government of Alaban. This is the place where strong people stand. I'm a strong woman and I've done things even men can't do. And then she was executed. What the heck? Yeah. Like, why do you have to be a feminist and a murderer? <laughs> like, Literally. A like, you're, person. You're, she, and then like in this, like this epic speech of hers, she kind of says it implies that she did it to like stick it to the government but i'm like that wasn't the way to do it though sweetie like you killed innocent people you killed i don't don't know like you killed prostitutes that's not really a way to stick it to the government like right because they didn't really care about them anyway you know yeah i mean i I don't know really high members of society yeah so um, it, it didn't it virtually did nothing and that's why i'm kind of surprised that they still got the death sentence because i know it's like it's kind of like i don't think that this but they're labeled as being lower parts of society like like a lot yeah. of times people don't really miss them when they disappear they just 
Yeah. I mean, but then again, you were talking about how some of them were the higher class people. I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely, it's weird when people decide to care and when they decide not to, but these kind of things, you know, Yeah. when really you should care about everyone all the time, but right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So after this epic speech of hers and people found out about it, Sakina suddenly was not just a whore in everyone's eyes, but she was an anti-establishment hero. And she kind of became this symbol of like the negligent police who had turned a blind eye to Alaban all these years and chose to ignore the lower class and didn't really protect them. Um, So it's super weird. And then one paper actually called Sakina one of the craziest and most courageous people to stand at the <gasps> scaffold. So I, I don't really agree with turning her into this like why is she be memorialized? Hero. Yeah, exactly. This it's like she's nice. like a martyr now for like the poor people. But I'm like that wasn't really her intention. She she's just saying it was. Like she wasn't she, she's just a psycho murderer. She oh my god. It was for money. It was for business and the power got to her head. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great, whatever, if, like, attention is now on the police and, like, for things to change and what, and, like, you know, treatment of women. But, like, don't make her a martyr for that, though. Like, just come to those conclusions on your own without involving her. Like, take that as an example that the police need more presence because someone got away with this, not because someone took it upon themselves to stick it to the government. yeah not even true that's ridiculous yeah it's strange um so all four of them were hanged uh that's how they were executed uh but they remain famous to this day uh just six months after their deaths a play about the sisters became very very popular and traveled around the country um this like acting troupe performing the story um and i found out like to this day Egyptian parents do not really use the names Raya and Sakina anymore. Like they, because of them, it kind of came up, fell out of favor. Like you didn't want to name your daughters after them. And it even became like a cautionary thing, like that you tell like young kids, like if they're like misbehaving, it was like this spooky story. Like if you don't behave, Raya and Sakina are going to come and find you. They're going to come get you. And it was like, it like to this day it's used in that context like their names so I just think it's interesting the way like even if like the kids and even if the parents like don't really know this whole story like that saying has stuck with everyone all this time like yeah wow that's really interesting and that's that's the end of the story but can you even think of a name in America that like no one uses now I guess, like, well, I don't, no. I don't know. Like, maybe because it's, like, old-fashioned, but not, like, for a reason like that. I would well, that's think. what I mean. Because yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of some, like, horrible people, and it's, like, their names are still used, like, Ted Bundy. Like, people are named Ted. Ted. No, in America, that doesn't, hasn't really happened. Like, Lizzie Borden. People still are Lizzie. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, mean, I can't think have, of any. Yeah. I mean, in America... We just have a lot of people and a lot of, a lot of famous bad people. Yeah. So all the names would be used up. <laughs> there wouldn't be any names left. <laughs> Literally. 
<laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, I I definitely think that's. I de- I can't think of anything that I know of. But that's really that's that's a really interesting story, and I mean they're they're probably like one of the first female serial killers in Egypt, if not the first. Or the only, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know Egypt's history. I don't know Egypt's criminal history, but they definitely stood out. Like they were remembered for sure. Yeah. So they're one of the most famous, at least. Yeah, right. That's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Well, on that note, I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And you just heard a sprinkle of sugar, a dash of murder. <laughs>